Welcome to Something Real with Pastor Rich Seiger, connecting the reality of God to the realities of life. Easter Sunday is upon us, the center of the Christian faith, the gospel, and the good news of the resurrection. So what is the gospel, and why does it matter? Why is the death and resurrection of Christ so central to it? Today, we'll talk about that good news and why we celebrate it. So with Easter coming this week, I thought we would take a look at what the gospel is. What is what is the importance of Easter? Why are we celebrating it? Well, Easter is the high point of the Christian calendar. We're celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And this isn't just some nice inspirational legend for the Christian. It's not a throwaway doctrinal gray area. It doesn't really matter. This is central. The actual physical resurrection of Christ is the, the very heart of the gospel, the good news that Christians base their lives and really eternity on. So what is the gospel? Why does it matter? Why is the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ so central to this message? Well, uh, as we talk about what this good news is, this is part of God's big redemptive story. The Bible, even though it's 66 books written by a whole bunch of guys over almost 1,500 years um, separately, most of them didn't know each other, lived in different areas and different lifetimes, um, it's telling one story from the very beginning to the very end. As God creates the, the universe with a purpose for his glory, and in the end, he brings it back to that state. In the meantime, stuff gets broken, and uh, the creation doesn't look the way it looked at the beginning or how it'll look at the end. But this is one big redemptive story, God making all things new, God restoring and redeeming and reaching into this, this uh, life that he created for us. But how can we get on board with that? How do we get to a place where we can have the relationship with God that we are intended to? How can we experience real life? Not just surviving and getting by, but actually knowing what we are here for. Well, the gospel is the good news. That's, that's the meaning of the word gospel. It's the good story, the good telling. And as we look at this idea, maybe we've turned it into something a little too religious, where uh, it, it has other meanings in our minds. But really, that's all it is. It's the good news that God loves us so much that he wants a relationship with us. And he did all that was needed for that relationship to happen. But for us to understand the, the whole story of the gospel, we need to go back to the beginning. And I actually, uh, I, I really love uh, an acronym uh, that was come up with by uh, Greg Steer and, and Dare to Share Ministries. Uh, I really respect them. I want to make sure I give them a shout out uh, for coming up with this. There's nothing inspired by God or magical about it, but it's a good comprehensive way to remember how this whole thing lays out and, and how it looks in Scripture. So uh, they call it life in six words. God, our sins, paying everyone life. And those six words correspond to the six letters of the word gospel, and that's all clever and nice. But uh, acronyms in themselves don't really teach us anything. It's one thing to remember. It's another thing to understand and to really take this into our lives. So as we go through this, what we're seeing is the whole story of what God's doing from beginning to end, from Genesis to Revelation, from the start to the finish. So uh, let's get right to it. First, G, God. God created us to be with him. And we can see this in the Bible and the story of creation laid out for us in Genesis 1 and 2. God created everything from nothing, and, 
it was all good. But only when he gets to the pinnacle, to the, the, the great finishing, if you will, of creating human beings, male and female specifically, created not like the rest of creation, but with the image of God. So that God created us from the dust, from the dirt, and he breathed into us in a way that he didn't with the rest of creation. And so we bear his image. Theologians and other people that like Latin terms call that the imago dei. That's the image of God. We are created for that. And when we see God interacting with Adam and Eve in the very beginning, there's an intimacy to it. There's a, there's a, um, a fellowship as they're together with nothing separating them. God and, and humanity walking together in the cool of the day to be able to interact, to share a oneness, a vulnerability, a perfect intimacy. But then something happens in chapter 3. That brings us to the O, our. Our sins separate us from God. Sin enters the picture in Genesis 3, and for the first time in created history, part of God's creation doesn't do what it was intended to do. We know the story. They were told not to eat from the fruit of one of the trees, this tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And everything else in life was God-honoring and God-pleasing. And yet, in that moment, they chose the one thing that they couldn't choose. And sin, as God promised, created a separation. So don't eat from this or you'll surely die. Now, they didn't immediately physically die, but they did immediately spiritually die. Death is a separation. In general, we talk about the separation of the spirit from the body. And here it was the separation of the spirit from God. And Adam and Eve sinned, and we all have fallen into that. By our choice, by our nature, that's been carried on through the entire human race. And we see the fruit of that. In fact, in, uh, <clears throat> in the early stages of Genesis, it just continues to increase. Right after this happens, they start to blame each other. They try to hide from God, to cover up with their own efforts uh, the fact that they have sinned and the shame has been brought in. They never had shame before, now they do. And they blame others for it. Adam blames Eve, Eve blames the serpent. And it carries on into the next generation, their kids, Cain and Abel. God's pleased with Abel. He's not pleased with Cain. The details aren't really the point. The point is that Cain makes it worse by trying to cover it up by killing his brother and then lying to God about it. That always works, right? Because God doesn't know what's going on. And God continues through this whole thing to bring about his redemptive plan. We're going to see this going through it. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, he says that the seed of the woman would eventually crush the serpent's head. That's what all of the human race is looking for. And we'll be seeing that coming up here. So in Romans 3.23, Paul says that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Our sin separates us from that perfect relationship with God that we were created for. S, sin. Sins cannot be removed by good deeds. All of the rest of the Old Testament is bringing this about, or to, to bring this idea out to us that we can't fix it by trying to be better. We keep on trying to keep the law and trying to, to look good, and it just keeps getting worse because it's not in us to do that. We're told in the New Testament in a couple of places that uh, particularly we see it in Romans 6 that this, the, uh, the law just brings out more of the sin. Not that it wasn't already sin, but it makes us aware. 
we see in Colossians and Hebrews that the uh, the whole concept of the law is really a tutor. All of the things that were written in the past were to teach us now to build up to this idea that we can't live up to it. Paul summarizes it well in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. For by grace you're saved, unmerited favor, through faith, believing in it, not of works. It's not us doing it. In fact, he even says the faith is the gift of God. But it's not that we can earn our way back. We can't stack up our good deeds and think they're going to outweigh our bad deeds. That's not how any of this works. One drop of sin stains the entire thing. God, our sins, paying that P stands for paying the price for sin. Jesus died and rose again. That's the, the whole message of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. We see Jesus, the Messiah, the seed of the woman, coming to crush the serpent's head. This is what we're so focused on during this Holy Week. We just celebrated Palm Sunday this last week, and we'll see uh, Good Friday when we remember the crucifixion. And on Sunday, we'll recognize that Jesus rose from the dead, paying the price for sin. Jesus died and rose again. It's a beautiful reality when we recognize that, according to Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. In Hebrews, we see that there's no remission of sins, no forgiveness apart from the shedding of blood. Jesus took this on himself. But the second part of Romans 6.23 shows us the gift of life. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Jesus did what Isaiah prophesied in Isaiah 53. He took our punishment on himself. He bore our stripes by his wounds that were healed. In 2 Corinthians 5.21, Paul writes that he who knew no sin, Jesus, became sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. He made that amazing cosmic trade for us. God, our sins, paying everyone, e everyone who trusts in Christ alone has eternal life. We can hang on that verse that we all know so well, summarizes it. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. It's a beautiful reality to recognize that while it's by grace that we're saved, we apprehend that grace through faith, by trusting in him, by trusting in that atoning sacrifice, that substitution that Jesus made for us. And when we trust in that reality alone, recognizing that he didn't stay dead, but he rose from the grave for us, then we have eternal life for him. And that's not just a... a, you know, pie in the sky after you die kind of thing. It's life now. God, our sins, paying everyone life. Life with Jesus starts now and lasts forever. It's an abundant life now. John 10.10, Jesus said, I came that they might have life and life to the fullest. It's to change us now, as uh, our friend Greg Steer likes to say, it's not just to save us from the hell we're going to, but to save us from the hell we're going through. Jesus came to give us this resurrection power in our own lives. He died to pay for our sins, and he rose to show that he was who he said he was, 
And when Jesus ascended to heaven, he sent the Holy Spirit of God to dwell in us, to live in every believer. So that now, for the first time, we, in him, as we trust in Christ, become free moral agents. We can actually choose to please God. Without faith, Hebrews eleven six tells us, it's impossible to please God. But we can, because in Christ there's no more condemnation for sins, Romans 8, 1. It's a beautiful reality to recognize that this gospel is empowered by the person of Jesus Christ. It's not a set of rules or things for us to believe in that we can uh, you know, equate to any other religion. Because Jesus is alive, because Jesus is a real person interacting with us now, this is truly a relationship. Does the resurrection really matter? Can't we have Jesus without having a physical, actual resurrection? Well, not according to the Bible. In 1 Corinthians 15, Paul writes, Now, brothers, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you, which you received and on which you've taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved, if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you've believed in vain. There's no other gospel. There is nothing else. Verse 3, he says, for what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Peter and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers at the same time, most of whom are still living at the time of the writing, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, he appeared to me also as to one abnormally born. A little later in the chapter, <clears throat> he says, uh, starting in verse 17, And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You're still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are to be pitied more than all men. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. This is why Paul in Philippians chapter 3 310 in particular, he says, man, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. Paul already had a relationship with Jesus Christ, but he wanted to know him, to fully experience him, and to experience that power of new life in himself. He didn't consider himself to have gotten it nailed down yet. Man, we're going to continue to struggle throughout this life. But we can be confident of what Paul says in Philippians 1.6, that the one who started this good work in us will be faithful to complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. How can you know Jesus Christ? It's a pretty simple thing. Pretty simple to start. Not easy, because it requires dying to self. But it is simple. In Romans 10, Paul says that if you will, uh, <clears throat> that if you will confess Jesus Christ with your mouth, confess him as Lord, to truly believe that he is the master and to say it. And if you believe that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Not maybe, not you might be saved. You will be saved. No one that comes to Jesus gets turned away. This is a beautiful reality. And it doesn't take jumping through a bunch of religious hoops. It takes knowing and trusting the truth. And then we grow. It just starts there. It's like a wedding. Marriage takes a whole lot of time and a whole lot of effort 
to be able to develop that, that walk, that fellowship together, that intimacy. We want to know Christ. That's the long part. But to meet him, to fall in love with him, to make him your choice, that can happen right now today. Thanks for joining us today. We'll put some of the resources we used in the description of this podcast so you can check them out for yourself. And please check us out on social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and wherever you get your podcasts. We'll see you next time.